Hello, my name is Nicholas Corey, and you are listening to The Novelcast. Cybersource, The Awakening. Chapter 26. Regina made her way back down into the terminal, her hands beginning to sweat, her mind racing. The Federal Government Corporation was after her. And why? Because they were attempting to cover up some sort of corporate conspiracy that she, Stanley, Eddie, and Naomi had stumbled into? She thought of the Enviro Drive, and thought about just tossing it into a trash can, but that thought was swiftly pushed aside. Even if she discarded it, or destroyed it, it wouldn't stop the men who were after her. They knew she had it, and getting rid of it wouldn't suddenly end the pursuit. She had to return it, but had to do it in a manner that wouldn't put her at the mercy of those men. She didn't think they were composed of much mercy, after murdering nearly a dozen individuals and dumping their bodies into the sewers. She had to formulate a plan, a way to get the information back where it belonged and to get Naomi back, if she was even still alive. She would need Eddie's help on this one and hoped he had been getting enough rest in the last few hours, and had taken enough painkillers, for his ankle to not be a problem any longer. She knew that Stanley would only be a hindrance, physically, since he would cause nothing but pandemonium in a corporate building like the One Nation headquarters. But at the same time, the dinosaur's creator had outfitted him with impressive hacking technology. Maybe there was a way she could use Stanley remotely to get past some of One Nation's building security? It would require more thought, more planning. But it seemed like a start. A sudden klaxon jolted her out of her thought process, and she realized she had strode right through the security pylons again, this time on her way in. She turned quickly and looked back behind her and saw one of the security guards, a different one this time, luckily exit the booth and move towards her, hand near the stunner on his waist. Ma'am, he said calmly, I need you to come back over on this side of the gate, please. Regina did as she was ordered, not wanting to draw any more attention. I'm sorry, she said, using her nervousness to make herself sound flustered and disorganized. I I was so caught up in my display and my thoughts that I, I just kept walking. I forgot to get a ticket. The officer watched as she came onto the other side of the gate, and then took two steps towards the nearest ticket booth. Hold, please, he commanded, and she did. She knew what he was doing, and she clenched her teeth. The officer was scanning her Omninet ID and checking her criminal record. Tense silence hung over her for a brief moment, and she breathed a sigh of relief as she saw the man's hand come away from his stunner. Her relief was short-lived however, when he said, Ma'am, I'm going to need you to turn around slowly and put your hands on the wall, please. What? she asked. You have been flagged by One Nation security forces and I need to bring you in. Please set the bag down and turn around slowly. She began to turn and knew that if she was going to act, it had to be now while the officer was still about 15 feet away. Stun guns had a relatively short range, and he wouldn't risk firing it in a crowded terminal, so her best bet was to head back that way. Plus, she and Stanley could probably lose him in the abandoned subway tunnels. She spun and dashed through the security gate, which blared its alarm again. 
the officer shouted something, likely calling for backup, and then sprinted after her. Regina dodged through the crowd, weaving between people in an attempt to lose him. She kept her head low and made her way towards the subway car that was parked, loading and unloading passengers. The thought suddenly came to her to board the train and exit through its other side, hoping to lose the guard in the process as she would come out onto the track bed. She could only hope that she didn't land on a set of active tracks in the process. She bolted for the doors of the subway car, pushing through people who were slowly making their way onto the train before it pulled out of the terminal. She turned and sprinted down the length of the subway, hearing the officer shout behind her, and shocked passengers shout ahead of her. She jumped over the legs of seated citizens, weaving between the standing passengers as she went from the front car to the next, and then through into the next. She glanced over her shoulder and saw the officer was hot on her heels. She looked forward just in time to see a young man stick his leg out, tripping her, sending her head and outstretched arms down and her legs up, landing heavily on her front. She immediately turned around onto her back to see the officer closing the distance. She pulled her knees up to her chest and kicked up and out, connecting with both feet on the torso of the officer. He staggered backwards and she slid away a few feet, allowing her to stand quickly and make for the nearest door. As she moved, she felt herself get tugged back, head and arms snapping forward in the sudden cease of motion. She looked over her shoulder and saw the same young man pulled on her bag, keeping her from fleeing. She saw the officer getting back to his feet, and she glared at the kid, probably no older than twenty. In a swift hand motion, she reached into her bag and pulled out Stanley's e-wallet, a small metal tin with a barcode, spark connection, and a couple of small LEDs. She tossed that at the man, who instinctively let go of her bag to catch it. Regina didn't like the thought of throwing away what little, untraceable money she had available to her, but the immediate situation was more dire. She felt the hum of the subway train start up as it began to pull away from the terminal. She took three steps forward and leapt at the doors, wedging her fingers into the crack and straining to pull them apart. The officer was on her then, grabbing her forearm in an attempt to remove her from the subway's door. As soon as she felt his hands on her arm, she threw her elbow back forcefully, connecting with his jaw and sending him staggering backwards once more. She strained, baring her teeth, her face turning red, and she finally pried the doors open far enough that she could quickly squeeze herself through to jump down and land on the tracks below. There was one problem she hadn't counted on, though. The train was moving at about the speed of a running person and swiftly accelerating. She felt the officer on her again, and she swiftly moved away from him, through the doors of the train. They closed on her midsection, compressing her ribcage and knocking the wind from her lungs. Smart, she heard the officer say behind her as he forced her arms into the car, and then reached behind himself, drawing his metal bonds to clasp on her wrists. Regina watched as the walls of the subway tunnel glided by her, and then her eyes went wide when the dark concrete of the wall gave way to the darker hole of the barricaded junction, and she saw the yellow-green eyes of Stanley shine in reflection of the light of the train as he watched it pass. She turned her head as she felt the bonds placed on her first wrist, and watched as the Tyrannosaur stepped over the barricades easily and began pursuing the train, 
She didn't know whether to be thankful or fearful. Mr. Baker, the attendant said over the Omninet call, I have a call from local subway security I think you should take. Why? What's it about? Baker asked, annoyed as he stood in the observation room with Vincent Time. The view screens along the walls showed a defeated-looking Naomi Hathaway in one of the interrogation rooms, seated at a small, bare metal table. You said to be alerted any time a call or notice was posted about Regina Santos, the assistant informed. Put it through, Baker said without another thought. And then, when he got the confirmation light on his display that the call had been connected, he greeted with, What do you have for me? We encountered Miss Santos in Subway Terminal 022. She is currently being pursued by two of our officers on North Train 56B, northbound, heading towards the surface station on Hartford. Instruct your men to be careful, Baker advised. She is considered to be armed and dangerous. Understood. Was she alone? She appeared to be, yes. When will the train arrive at the next station? It should be on the surface station at Hartford within the next ten minutes, the officer informed. Good. Thank you. Baker terminated the call and began making another call. Who was that? Vincent asked, but Baker didn't respond. Agent Sherman, Baker said when his next call connected. Grab some more gear. You and Bradley are going back out. Now. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find the previous season of The Novelcast at nicholascorey.com novelcast. That's N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S-K-O-R-Y dot com slash novelcast. The Novelcast is a podcast that is made possible by the support of the fine backers over at patreon.com slash novelcast. If you like what you hear and you want to help support this podcast as well, feel free to head to patreon.com slash novelcast and donate your support. Any amount is incredibly helpful and deeply appreciated. Also, if you like audiobooks, head over to audiobooks.com slash novelcast. Audiobooks.com has millions of different titles available, and by heading to audiobooks.com slash novelcast, you'll not only sign up for their free 30-day trial, but you'll also be showing your support for this podcast as well. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you next time.